All right. Hey everyone, welcome to Project Esports presented by Popped Off for March 11th, 2019. And we are ready to go. We have another variety week. I feel like the first couple episodes of the year was a lot of Overwatch, all that kind of stuff. But we're talking about Call of Duty for the first time year. We're talking about Konami, which is an unusual name in esports. Um, Riot Games teaming up for Special Olympics and much more. But as always, I am your host, Andrew Nimsgern, alongside James Graham and Dylan Beal. How are you guys doing today? Just Pretty good. Ducky. How upset would you guys be? I, I worry every time I say your names that I'm going to say James Beal and Dylan Graham. And that is just a constant fear in my head. And I don't know what you guys would do. How would you react to that? It's like the fusion dance, man. I wouldn't even be mad about it. We'd be so strong. We would be. We'd be <laughs> twice the memer. Wait, is the fusion dance when they like do the that thing oh, yeah. in DBZ? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You. you got it. I don't know. Yeah, you guys start posting things in like about Dragon Ball Z all the time. And I have no idea what's going on. But that is not why we're here today. We are here to talk about esports for Project Esports, your weekly esports talk show where all three of us give our opinions our rants, anything we kind of want, the biggest stories, topics, and all that in esports. And with that, we do not have any housekeeping really outside of, we did launch Popped Off last week. It's kind of our parent brand, if you want to call it, that is over at poppedoff.com. Dylan put out a very unique article. Um, the title is Capitalism is Bad for Esports. I say we say nothing more about that. Just go and check that out. If you're curious what that means, it is Dylan, so you know it is going to be good. But with that, let's jump right into the first story and talking a little bit about Call of Duty. Yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about it. Oh, wait, wait. <laughs> One of us is talking about it, and it's going to be Andrew. Um, I didn't... Okay, I can take this. Dylan, yeah, you take this. I don't even know what's going on here. Yeah, so um, Call of Duty is finally having... They're one, one of the first big LAN events of 2019. I think it's the first big one of 2019. Um, so it's the CWL, um, and they're having it uh, in Fort Worth. Uh, this is in Black Ops, of course. I mean, what other one would it be? And that's all I got for it. You're, you guys are so helpful. No, so what it is, it is going to be much different than the last kind of years. Um, the event's kind of separated into two different tournaments. Um, we were talking about this a little bit um, when they first kind of announced the eSports changes for Call of Duty last year. So they're going to have a 16-team, like the Call of Duty Pro League, kind of like the Overwatch tier of that, is going to be competing for $325,000 in the prize pool. But there will also be a separate open bracket that has a $75,000 prize pool. So when we talked about it, they said that pretty much every big LAN tournament is always going to have the Pro League, where the highest tier players are going to be, and then they're always going to have a second one, more amateur kind of level, where obviously incredibly talented teams compete and all that kind of stuff, but it's always open and anyone can kind of come in and go after that money. So it's really something we don't see in too many other places, not that I've heard of. I mean, we like Evo has open tournament, all that kind of stuff, but where they kind of have a two-tiered tournament system at one event that's all under one name, the ones for Pro League and ones for that. I know I talked about this a little bit when kind of the news first broke, and eventually they're moving over to franchising due to rumors we've kind of been hearing. And actually a confirmation two weeks ago. I think, that, yeah, the confirmation actually went through two weeks. But what do you think about this event? I mean, is this almost a better kind of way for Call of Duty to keep going? I mean, obviously we're not going to be talking too much about the land because we're not even very familiar with the teams competing or anything like that. But just kind of the tournament structure, what do you think about that? 
I think it's good to have open tournaments, especially for things that are. I'm guessing it's based in console, right? Um, it's all it's only on console. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's the better way to go with this because. I mean, at least I know back in the start of my esports days, back in the day when I was playing Halo 3, um, this is like what you would want to do. Like you had your friends in high school that you played with. You guys had, of course, a team, you know, everyone who played uh, console games in, in high school. Oh, had, yeah. Like, their own little clan. We had our clan friends or whatever. And of course, like if this was coming to your town or anywhere nearby, you would want to go in person. This would be super hype. And this is kind of like... The antithesis of like console gaming is like going to live events like this and playing like this. This is perfect for Call of Duty. This has been Call of Duty for you know like a decade now. So I mean, I'm guessing they shouldn't change. I I don't see any reason to. So would you prefer that they stayed this method versus going to franchising next year? Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I don't think Call of Duty has the sustainability to kind of go to franchising like i mean i've always been very skeptical of the franchising model with call of duty just because it's shown over the years where it can be powerful it is not timeless where a lot of other shooters have kind of become in that in that realm you know what i mean the prime the primary one of course being csgo if i was to see anything go to franchising i expect it to be csgo but it's not like i mean call of duty is the first one really trying to break that mold and i just don't think they're the right one to do it that's that, that's my my take on it why because it is a like release by release kind of thing game. Like, you know, like it has like a different iteration down the road every time. And I don't think you can do that with a lot of these games. Like I think anything that it becomes franchise needs to have almost a static model and patching of course can happen. Yeah. But it can't go past that. Like, I don't think you can have a re-release and stuff like that. I know we've talked about overwatch two and stuff like that. If it could ever be a possibility. What about the 2k league? 2K League is different because it is a sports game. I think it is totally. True. I think it is known. Okay. I think it's. I think it's exempt from this this equation. But other than that, though, I because I mean with um with the 2K League, the essence is still basketball, right? Yep. You don't get away from that with Call of Duty. You like look at the jump from like Modern Warfare 2 to like now. You get like wall jumping. You get all these crazy like like add-ons and stuff like that. Like they're very very different fundamental games and. By moving to a franchising model, it really limits Treyarch, and I don't even know if the other studio is doing the games anymore. I think it is only Treyarch. No, but it's Treyarch, Activision, Sledgehammer. All three are still in cycle. Are they still? Are they all still doing it? Yeah. So it really limits them, and like, doesn't really let them go outside the bubble if they don't want to. Now, if they if they stay like this and they keep like they keep this way, fine. But I don't think they will because it's Activision. Yeah, and I don't know. I I, I see advantages in both ways, and I, I agree that. The 2K League is different from Call of Duty in terms of how big the changes are, but fundamentally the game is the same every single time. Sure, movement can be changed, there may be special abilities, all that, but the gameplay always feels the same. That's the biggest thing that people complain about, that every year Call of Duty feels the same. That's why it gets boring, that's why it's kind of dying, is that they haven't had big changes. And I understand the movement, the abilities, and all that kind of stuff changes things, but you can't disagree that every year the game comes out that people say, it's the same game, just with this, just with that. That one or two decent side things changed, but when I sit down to Call of Duty within half an hour, I'm back to kind of having the full understanding of the entire game. And I feel like it's the same way with 2K. So I, I don't I don't have a preference one way or another. I don't think it's 
not a good fit for franchising like you think, James. But I really like the idea of having this two-tier tournament that you have those top players. I mean, we had teams like Gen G, all them kind of thing, like those big brand names. But also the ability for you just to go with your friends or to kind of form that amateur team, get the chance to be noticed, get the chance to win some money playing games is always something really cool. And you don't see in this kind of capacity. Of course, there's always third-party tournaments, but not at the same time as these big tournaments. So you could brush shoulders with someone that's kind of doing this bigger tournament. It's a big deal and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, no, just to, just, just to like, I fundamentally agree with open tournaments. I like, I very much, yeah. especially with call of duty, but the, it's the franchising. That's the part I have a, a bit of a bone. Pick. Dylan, you had so, a point. Yeah. So I would say it's not good for franchising uh, because as an esport, call of duty sucks. I mean, I, 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 I'm thinking true, and I think the there's a vast majority of people that agree that as an esport, eh. Why? It's, eh. I don't know. It's like it, the strategy behind it doesn't seem that interesting. It doesn't seem interesting at a high level. People aren't, you know, itching to play it at a high level. Like, yeah, there is uh, players out there that want to play competitively and all that. But I mean, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't feel good as an esport. Like CS:GO, I'm terrible at CS:GO. I'm terrible at shooters in general. Um, but CSGO is something that really interests me. Do you I think Halo is a good uh, eSport? Um, right now in its current iteration. Well, not right now, but in the grand schemes, when it was Halo 3, when it was back when Halo was relevant, did you think it was a good eSport? Uh, two or three, I thought it was okay. Um, it's hard to say without rose-colored glasses because okay. that was my first eSport. Still a little bit hard to say. Um, I don't know going back now if I would think it'd be totally up to par, but I think you're competing with games like CSGO. But CSGO has really deep strategy to it. Um, mechanically, it's really high precision. I think it's a perfect shooter esport, and I'm bad at it, and I don't even like to play the game. But as an esport, I think it's awesome. Now, obviously, people are going to play it, like, sure, but, like, eh. People, yeah, don't, really, I, people don't really want to play it as an esport. I mean, some people, but the vast majority of people don't, and most people don't really care about it as an esport. So I, that's why I don't think it's going to do well franchising, because I think a lot of people share the same sentiments. Yeah, just to build on that, like we basically have two dominant forces in like in the FPS genre between CS:GO and Rainbow Six, really dominating that close quarters combat that anybody would be interested in. You know what I mean? You have enough variety there that inserting Call of Duty into the mix. I mean, yes, it kind of feeds the console gamers, but Rainbow has console gamers as well. You know what I mean? So they don't their their pro scene might not be as popular for it, but if if not non-existent, I know players do transition over. But other than that, it's like, I mean, you're really button heads with two giant forces to try and make Call of Duty relevant, I guess. Yeah, I, I'd be very curious. And I mean, maybe we try to catch at least what the viewership is on that and follow that up for next week and saw, see yeah. if it has decent Twitch viewership or anything kind of like that. Because I feel like a franchise league can help with that to an extent. But if it has 20,000 people watching this weekend, I don't think franchising is going to bring it to even the 100,000 mark that you'd kind of like to see um, for, like, the Overwatch League. I mean, if that went below 100,000, that'd be, like, worrisome to people. And I think that's kind of the minimum for those big money-sucking games that, especially Activision Blizzard, are kind of backing. But I have not too much really to talk about this. I think, Dylan, you were saying that you kind of want to go on something. I, I don't know. I just trust you yeah, when you say so that. <laughs> We had this a little bit further down in the docket, but I just want to move it up because it's relevant to the scene, I guess. Um, so the big news is this was kind of developing over the last, I think, week or two. Um, so one of the Call of Duty Pro League teams, um, 
Accelerate Gaming is going through a huge um, controversy and drama right now. Um, so basically, there was allegations. So so they dropped their whole team, basically, and they got a brand new team uh, right before this tournament. And people were like, okay, that's a little bit weird. And then people started speaking out like, oh, yeah, the CEO was like blackmailing us. Everyone's like, oh, that's insane. This is really weird. And then they interviewed him. And apparently, as of like the 8th, uh, the CEO kind of uh, admitted to blackmailing. Um, did you so, read that? Did you read that interview? Like that was uh, that was kind of a hard read, man. Yeah. So basically, uh, they're summed up in a tweet that he released on on the Accelerate Gaming uh, Twitter that said, "I definitely should have. I definitely made some mistakes, and there are certain things I should never have done. The worst part is how it affected the players. I thought I knew more than I did. I definitely could have handled the situation better. Bottom line, I screwed up, and I'm sorry." After all this happened, that's like fully admitting to like blackmailing players, and and on top of that, they originally the agreed salary was like one point two k, I think, um, and he gave them just like a couple hundred dollars, so it was like a huge pay discrepancy too. Um, so it was it was pretty bad, um, and I just knew a lot about this because uh, <laughs> the guy who ran it is part of the collegiate esports scene. Uh, so yikes! But this is just like a kid in 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 like college too who just like started up a team is like oh cool you started up your own team i guess anyone running a team can be scummy you know it doesn't matter <laughs> I, what, what class everybody else does this i can do this this like you know why not right whoa <laughs> <laughs> he's got like a lot more words yeah he's just like oh wow yeah I, yeah i mean what what do you say to that i mean the kid i mean the guy's got Balls just straight up pretty much come out in a minute. There's screenshots of them, all that kind of stuff. I mean, wow. Yeah. You know what? I almost appreciate him owning up to it and straight up doing it because you don't see that kind of transparency. No, no, he's not living up to it. I mean, from what I've been looking here, he's still not paying the players. With all this coming out, he's not playing the players. He's still a scump. I mean, these are the kind of people, like, have either one of you guys ever watched any of the Fire Festival documentaries? Oh, yes. I oh, yeah, of course. He yeah. goes on and does interviews. He is trying to start scamming again as soon as the fire Festival fell apart. This is what this screams. He doesn't see as if he did anything wrong. Like, oh, yeah, I made a mistake. And he moves on, and he's still doing these things behind the back. He's not trying to make up for it. He's still finding a way. He's still going to find a way to make this team compete and not pay the players very much. Like, this is one of those people that are just so delusional in their own world that they don't think what they do affect other people, and that's how I see this. That is the second I kind of read through this article and started hearing about that, that this is how this guy screams of. And I cannot stand those people, especially coming from the world of entrepreneurship. I mean, that puts bad on anyone trying to start an org. It puts bad on the Call of Duty scenes. It, it just doesn't help anyone, not even the guy that's trying to do it, because he's going to try to go on and do another scam. It's not going to work, and he's going to call out, get called out, apologize again, learn nothing, and do it again. And that's yeah, what he, this screams to me. He just did these terrible things to these players, and, you know, it's not like they're, they're you know, top shot athletes playing in like the overwatch league or anything this is call of duty this is definitely the the stakes are a lot smaller these guys they might go on to another team they might not um and they definitely don't have that kind of uh that star power for sure and i mean only if we had just like some sort of like uh just like uniting body for all these players to come to can really just like take take the fight to this guy to make sure he doesn't do this again and make sure the players get what they're deserved hey dylan have you talked about that have you talked about that anywhere 
Yeah, I might have talked about this same exact thing in my latest article, Capitalism is Ruining Esports, over at popoff.com. Shouts out. Um, but no, I, I didn't I didn't align these things together. But like I think it's super interesting that like this is not anything new. Like we see this all the time. Like tons of people just start up these companies like this and they'll go, Oh, I'll pay pay you guys. And then they don't. They don't pay them, and the players can't do anything because like I, I don't want to say they're they're nobodies, but they're just like they they, they they're just regular people. And it's twelve hundred dollars. It's not enough to bring yeah. a lawyer in. It's yeah. You can call them out. Hope that's enough to get them to pay back. But ultimately, there's not really many things you can really do to take action against it at that low amount. I'm with the Overwatch League. If someone didn't pay there, that fifty thousand dollar minimum contract. Yes, that's worth it. Twelve hundred dollars. That's three calls to the lawyer. Yeah. So I, and then you're screwed. what are, what are they gonna do? Like take them to small claims court you can't even do that and then plus not only that these guys are thousands of miles away from each other probably none of these guys are probably local to each other so it just makes it more complicated and it's it's a whole big thing yeah i it it blows it blows me away that things like these continue to happen and i don't i don't know what the best way to tackle this at a big scale is we can teach kind of young owners we can try to embed this that this is not okay but there's no one answer to solving all of this and that's kind of the worst part about all that dylan i saw that little bit of a smirk there so no we're not going back no, there no but but actually no, no, it's, but, it, it, it's it, it there is no one answer to yeah. this it's just i mean even in just like well-developed businesses <laughs> all the time like you were talking about being an entrepreneur this happens in in just normal businesses too this isn't exclusive to esports so oh absolutely it, um, I mean, I, we just have to really drive it into the culture that, like, you know, reach out to to lawyers and stuff like that. There's plenty of esports lawyers out there who want to talk to players and who want to help them and advocate for them. Yeah, and that that's definitely becoming a thing bigger that there are lawyers that are saying, "Send me your contract," all that kind of stuff. And it's it'll take time to get there to the point where everyone has access to that. But we're getting closer and closer. Um, but with that, I think unless either one of you guys have anything else to kind of add to this, we can move on to our favorite podcast within a podcast, Project Overwatch, where each and every week we find at least a couple of minutes to talk about Overwatch, give you an update on how all three of our teams are doing. Spoiler, not very well, and talk about anything else kind of Overwatch related because there's always something going on there. And I, yikes, we're all eliminated now. All three We're of our teams have been eliminated. Um, there is still a chance that the Valiant are going to end up at 19th, not 20th, thanks to Washington Justice. Yeah, um, we'll see. We, we will see. <laughs> I mean, I'm just hoping that, like, the very least we can just, like, perform well and not be very last place because, wow, feels bad. Also feels bad that, like, all our teams are the bottom three. Like, is yeah. this, like, the Project Esports curse or something? Yeah, I don't think we should be allowed to watch overwatch league anymore okay i mean i mean to be fair james you came into this picking picking a team that was already this was expected for you it was expected but guess who's guess who's winning boys guess who's the top of the food chain one nope top of the food chain one win doesn't matter you guys play next week you do realize that right i'm really excited oh i'm scared i'm i'm ready to be in voice chat with you james just like screaming at each other we're gonna have a great time. We're gonna have a blast because I'm just gonna chew you out the entire time. But I mean, Andrew, like, yeah, I mean, dude, Valiant wasn't really expected to do this poorly. <laughs> Valiant and, was like, expected to possibly win stage one. 
Like they, how they ended the season four, they won the last stage. They looked fine in the playoffs. They kept a lot of their players. They still have space. Um, Iziaki is coming in. Like we were expected to be top ten for sure, maybe like top eight. Yeah. No, middle of the pack at worst is what we were kind of expected. Yeah, well, and tell me how that's going. So I do like the seven memes though. Those oh my god. The the we really I I sent one to James uh on Twitter the other day and I'm like I can't show Andrew this right now. Um but you you remember the video that you were in? Yeah. Oh, I saw that. My bad. Yep. Where they just do it we are over. I know. And I'm pissed. I'm covered up in that video. I'm like if I'm going to be in a meme, I want to be in the meme. I'm covered, covered up by, by it. their losses. <laughs> yes, I was. We are 0-7. And, and I saw um, uh, Blink and Recall. It's kind of a new Overwatch website that started up not too long ago. And the title for one of the articles, I didn't go and click on it, but it was like um, um, the We Are 0-7 meme is expected to be part of the Valiance marketing plan for Season 2. <laughs> like, so that would be really funny, though. Yeah, they got to own it. Took it. They have. Some of the players are tweeted it. Like, obviously, they're all very frustrated. But luckily, coming out of this, there's been it's been an interesting week. I'm pretty sure this was the week it came out. But um, in one of the Inside Valiant um, videos, which is kind of like the behind the scenes and all that kind of stuff, our head coach, Moon, um, who was let go today. Um, we are currently having one of our assistant coach taking over as interim spot. Valiant are done for the stage. So we have about a month to figure it out, bringing a new coach and all that kind of stuff. So we'll update when that kind of goes by. But the reason why our captain and main shot caller, Custa, um, he's a support I'm for the Valiant, sh- is, quote, like, not quite a quote, but he understands the meta better than other players, which is why he's not playing. So He's too smart to play. That's why they won't play. And what? The, yep, yep, yep. He, uh, he applied, tweeted that, like, quote tweeted that, and he's like, please tell me this isn't true. Like, please tell me this isn't true. It, it's been very interesting. I don't, I, I still don't know how to feel about that. Moon kind of said that there was a little bit of confusion in the editing and all that kind of stuff, but clearly not at the Valiant let him go. They still think that his coaching had something to do with it. I don't know. I'm not too into the coaching side of Valiant. I follow Valiant. I watch every single game. I'm always there cheering them on, but I'm not to the point where I understand coaching strategies and all that kind of stuff for the game. But obviously we went 0-7. Um, a lot of people were upset. I mean, uh, we had our supports were fine, but Custo was missed. And whenever someone came in and I don't know, it'll be an interesting stage too. Um, the meta's probably going to change some. Um, we'll have a new coach. It'll be curious to see what we do. I don't expect us to go 0-7 again. This is not going to be a Shanghai season, but it is a rough, rough first stage to be a Valiant fan. Don't speak too soon there, buddy. Don't speak too soon. Well, we can't go down. We can only go up. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what happened with Shanghai all last year too. But guess what? They never they never went up. Now here is what I'm predicting. Uh-oh. I want to put like a, a positive energy pact out there between myself and you, James. Okay. Here's what's gonna happen. Why do I feel like this is gonna be bad for me? Justice is gonna beat Florida, but the way the things are gonna line, they're gonna tie in points. So. So we're, we're both, both better than the Valiant. That's yeah, all that matters. Yeah, we're both going to be better than Valiant. It's not going to happen. Justice goes up a little bit. Just yeah, wait till we play, you anymore, two. So. Just wait until we play. You can't talk about anything until we play. Oh, well, we, that's where you're wrong. I can talk all I want. 
Same. We beat Philly. Can you say that? I don't think you can. I don't think you can say you beat Philly. Didn't you, didn't you get 4-0'd by New York, though? It's New York. They're, like, top of the pack. We went 3-2 at least. So You guys uh, still still goose egg, though. All right. All right. We'll, we'll talk about this next week when the Justice takes 20th, we take 19th, Mayhem take 18th. Those are my expected standings at the end of stage one. But what I do want to talk about is somewhat Valiant related. It's actually an ex-player soon, or DPS from last year, Terrence um, soon. Uh, I can't think of his, his last name starts with T. I can't think of what it is off the top of my head. But today he announced that he is partnering with Ace Esports to launch his own line of merch. Um, it is totally outside of his team. His team had nothing to do with this last Season he made a very kind of like kind of famous and well known signature in the Overwatch League, which is just soon with uh, the N having an arrow going upwards. Very cool signature. It looks really nice, and now he's kind of starting a merch line off of it. And I think this is one of the smartest things that has ever been done in the Overwatch League by a player. I think we've obviously seen teams take advantage of it. I mean, we've seen players in League of Legends. Um, kind of partner with Nike. We saw Uzi partner with Nike and stuff like that. But as far as I know, we haven't seen many players outside of like that are currently streamers like XQC and all that kind of stuff. They all have merch, but an actual league player or an Overwatch League player, they don't commonly merchandise themselves. They don't do that. So I think this is one of the smartest things and one of my favorite things I've done. And I want to buy a shirt just because of how smart I think it is. I think every player that's in these leagues should try to be selling themselves and making themselves as marketable as possible. And soon having a well-known signature, being lovable, and taking the energy to kind of go on doing it, I think is incredibly smart. And something I don't know why more players don't do it. Jonak, all these big names that have big personalities. Like, why don't you try to do more with this? So this is not related to the team at all? No, as far as I know, he partnered with Ace Esports, is what the organization is called. I think it's some merch. I didn't do too much research. I saw it just before we kind of went live. I want to talk about a little bit, but this is really weird to me because normally in a lot of sports contracts, once you sign to a team, they I don't want to say they own you because that sounds like really nefarious, but like they own the rights to your image for the most part. A lot of teams are like this, but it's a signature. Um, You can't own someone's signature. Anything related to your brand is like because this is his merchandise. It is like it's a signature. It's 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 his merchandise essentially. And a lot of sports teams, anything that's related to you, you can't do your own branding and stuff. It is under your team usually because like more or less the team owns you. It's um, Europe. No, I guess it's based in over. It's based in America though for the Overwatch League. Yeah, no, but for the Overwatch League, this, it's really interesting that the contracts don't include this. Then, yeah, well, I guess I'm, I haven't assuming because I assume they're pretty uniform contracts yeah. because Blizzard overseas yeah. probably did. Their gear is not that hot, though. I just checked it out. Like, I mean, like, it's some are they they're they're partnered with Lion Esport, which is a, which is a, a decent sized brand in South America. They have a League of Legends team. I'm pretty sure they're big in like Rainbow or not Rainbow, maybe CS:GO. But I know for sure they're they're part of like the League of Legends scene. But um, yeah, that's really that's really like they they're only they only have like three lines, right? So that's it. But that's a couple things that just launched today. I know you guys are seeing that right now. Um, but uh. I still think it's cool, and I think if the contract allows it, I think we'll see a lot more players. I mean, especially DeFran. Oh, my God. How does DeFran not have a shirt that says, let's go, dude? Like, there's so many people in the league, super. I mean, everyone in the crowd wears his head. 
Why not try selling those? Why not selling a shirt with his head on it? Like, there are so many people in this and the league. Obviously, we haven't seen this in League of Legends have been around for much longer. So I'm assuming they're not allowed to do it. But if you're allowed to do it in the Overwatch League and there's no repercussions for soon, he must have obviously looked over this legally before he did anything. But if it works for Overwatch League players, I expect to see a lot more announcements like this coming over the next month. So I think I know why this was okay to happen. I'm going to put on tinfoil hats. Of course. It's time to dive deep into it. So my guess is when the Overwatch League was starting and they were writing up all the content, they were like, all right, well, what do we do about um, apparel and all that? Like, can individual players have it? Like, is it going to, you know, cause an issue with sponsors? I think they said for the baseline contracts, they're not going to include any of that in because a lot of these players, season one, were streamers. And I think they already had merch out there. I think the whole thing was just too messy. A lot of them are streamers already. Let's just not even deal with that. I think that's why they're not doing it. Now, I think there might be a, a lot more. I know in chat it was saying, like, you know, there's some uh, apparel companies that are responsible with certain teams, and that might cause conflicts. That might be another layer on top of it that, you know, makes it so that can't happen. I think the baseline contracts, that's why it happened. Yeah, I, I, I want... I know like kind of part of the player like handbook or contract or anything kind of like that is out somewhere. I think that you can look over most of it, at least from season one. So if I can find that. I might go back in time and take a look at it. But if it allows and you can find a way to work around it based on brands and previous partnerships, kind of like what chat's saying and all that kind of stuff. But I I think that was conduct. I think that was a conduct guidebook. That was it? That was conduct. Yeah, so, so that to, wouldn't that wouldn't yeah. be in there. Um, as far as I know, there's yeah. no like explicit contract information that we know about, which is too bad. But I don't know. We'll see what kind of happens with soon. Maybe there's an explanation of why he can get around this. I mean, he's the first one to do it, so obviously, I'm sure he didn't just do it without asking, making sure it's okay. So maybe people will ask around. Maybe someone will do an interview. And maybe we'll get more kind of light on this, but. I don't have too much else to really do on it. I think it's a genius idea, and I'd love to see more people doing it if they're possible. I mean, you see streamers doing it all the time, so why not trying to find a way to do it as uh, the Overwatch? I mean, as Overwatch players, because you see like LeBron James, like it's no different than traditional sports. He's able to sign his own partnerships. Like, sure, the Lakers may have a deal, but he's still able to sign with Nike. He can sign with whoever he wants. So. I think there's a way to do it because professional sports do, and I know we're not the exact in every way, but the NBA has apparel deals and all that kind of stuff in place right now, but players are still able to sign with different teams so and with different brands. So I think there's a way around that, but do we have anything else to talk about in our podcast within the podcast, Project Overwatch? I'm just ready to move on. I'm sad. I'm yeah. sad about our teams, to be honest. I guess one thing to do mention is as part of Popped Off, we actually did bring on an Overwatch podcast today. So if you did want to go check them out, they are ca- casual OWL fans on Spotify. They'll be on iTunes, Google Play, all that kind of stuff, and on YouTube and all that kind of stuff. So we won't talk about them too much on the show, but that did just happen today, so I figured we'd give them a shout-out because they're two great guys and we're kind of working with them, and unfortunately, they're Florida fans. They can't be perfect in every way. But outside of that, they do really great stuff, so go check them out, casual OWL fans. But moving on to that... What do we have next? Um, James, you have something that kind of a little more dear, near and dear to your heart in two ways. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the best of both worlds. I'm just kind of upset it wasn't better advertised. Um, so recently, uh, Riot Games 
uh, recently, as in three days ago, had a streamathon with the Special Olympics um, associated with the camp. The revolution is inclusion. Um, that's basically oh, that was like their big. I know it's, it's really wordy. It's really, <laughs> it's really wordy. It's hard to say. Um, but yeah, no. So basically, the article went live the day the event went live. Or basically, uh, Riot basically partnered with the Special Olympics, did a big street, like they had a big personality there, um, basically going through a bunch of different events with the Special Olympics and stuff like that. And like, it's great to see. I, I, like, I love it because my sister participated in like the Special Olympics and stuff like that. But um, I was just, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, a kind of, I'm all more, I'm more irked. Like, I was really happy to see it on the document at the same time. I was like, why didn't, why didn't, wasn't this anywhere else? You know what I mean? Like, why did I have to find out this three days later? But like, I mean, it seems I, I I haven't heard anything negative. I haven't heard anything at all. So I'm assuming it went well. Um, but it's nice because they use like I mean Riot kind of used their platform because I mean like Riot, despite all the BS they've done recently with you know the Kotaka article and all that stuff. Like I mean they are still a massive platform for something like this. The partner with the Special Olympics. That's sick. That's great. I'm really happy about it. So it, it like I mean you I kind of want to see this from the rest of esports because we do have a lot of play, players who have either a disability either like you know mental or physically or whatever um who really do like make it big and like they they want to feel included and stuff like that like i know the fgc has like some like really really good players who are like wheelchair bound and stuff like that and like there's one dude who plays with his mouth and he's only legs yeah, yeah he's insane right so and I, i'm just i just want more esports to do this i want the like the revolution of inclusion, like, and despite how worried that campaign title is, that's, it's, you know, it's a really good message. So good job, right? Just advertise it better for the love of God. I mean, Dylan, I'll let you go first if I have anything to add, but to me, this is just good news to be good. I mean, obviously, yeah, yeah I'd love to see it advertised more. I'd love to see other leagues do that. I mean, we saw the Valiant, not quite with Special Olympics, but we saw the Valiant do it with breast cancer. Uh, I mean, Overwatch do it with breast cancer. The Valiant have made a like a pledge system to St. Jude. So I feel like this is becoming more and more common in esports. But I don't see why every league, every team, everything kind of like that doesn't do something like that. I understand money wise and all that kind of stuff, but even bringing awareness, doing a video here and there with it, even just giving some kind of awareness, focusing on inclusion, focusing focusing on these people that don't get to experience the same way as everyone else is something that's super important and making everyone, I mean, when it comes to diversity, it's not just about sex, race, um, age and all that kind of stuff. It includes um, all different things. So I think really focusing on as much as possible and bringing awareness is the best thing that can really happen in esports because anyone can enjoy video games no matter what situation you are. Yeah, and I actually got a chance to, to look at the stream a little bit. Um, I just checked out some of the VODs from it. Um, and it definitely seemed like this was their first kind of dipping their toes into it a little bit. The, the production seemed definitely a little bit low key, wasn't anything too big or grandiose, but you know, it seemed like they were starting out a little bit small and just, um, you know, take it and see there. what they could do with it. So, and it seemed like it was going very well throughout it. So I would definitely assume they keep going further with this and hopefully they picked a couple, picked up a couple of people on their team to who, you know, this is really important for them. So they take it and they keep running with it because it seemed really, it was awesome. It was awesome to see uh, some of the VODs from it. And, and it was all on YouTube, if anyone wants to check it out. I think I it's just, just on the Special Olympics uh, YouTube page. One little thing just to add from the what I read from that article that I'm really surprised. The Special Olympics are not only going to be like like you know, televised like, as in a normal way, but they're also going to be on Twitch and YouTube as well. That's cool. Um, that's kind of like a big brain move. Like, like, like recognizing that Twitch is so globally, like, you know, 
noticed that they're just like, yeah, we'll, we'll check it on Twitch too. So that's good. I like it. And I guess something, I don't know if we talked about this guy. I mean, if we talked about it already, kind of feel free to cut me off. But Riot hired a chief of diversity um, within the last couple of weeks. I don't I don't think we talked about this. I think it kind of slipped by. But um, she was the ex kind of VP of diversity and something at PayPal. I can't remember what it is. I can't think of what her name is. But following kind of the whole Kotaku article, I mean, they have been trying to focus on diversity, inclusion, and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, it's not going to be a quick fix. Obviously, hiring someone and doing one stream isn't going to fix everything that's kind of happened, but it is at least nice to see that they're taking steps for whatever reason it is. They are taking steps. They are trying to make things better, and I feel like the overall kind of talk inside the Riot community I've seen um, recently has been doing better and that the uh, the members there have been a little happier with what's been happening. Hopefully, it's a long-term solution, but I wanted to call that out too because when we're talking about diversity and Riot, um, that's something we kind of skipped over a while ago so something to quickly mention but dylan we're going to tokyo and we're going to visit konami what are what's going on i had yes. no good introduction to that one yeah so this is kind of cool uh konami you know best known for uh um doing my boy hideo kojima wrong um or the metal gear or the metal gear series yeah, whichever yeah, one you prefer yeah um but they they did metal gear they they have their they do games a lot. on like a ton of different games, and they're actually dipping into esports in Tokyo by building a twelve-story tall kind of like esports building, so to speak. So it sounds weird, um, but it's actually very normal for Tokyo. Um, so I actually got to experience one of these places when I went there uh, almost a year ago. So the, because it's a city, nothing they, they don't have like big malls. It goes Everything's up. like up, so everything's like straight up. And so you think, oh, it's like weird that it's straight up because like the way like some of their like quote unquote malls work, it's like one would be like unique low and like another one is just like electronics area and another is just like, I don't know, like televisions or pianos or something like each floor is like mm-hmm. something different. Um, so it's basically just like a mall, but straight up. And the same thing happens with arcades. So you go into the arcade and you go, oh, I'm going to go to floor six because it's like the fighting game room and it's all fighting games. Or you go to floor seven and it's like, that's where everyone plays pachinko or whatever. <laughs> um, and so I'm assuming it's going to be something similar. I don't know what it means to have an esports building. Like, so I they didn't have any details, really? It's really weird because it's like, all right, well, did, did they just have like a bunch of consoles or arcade machines or like computers? Um, because I could definitely see something like that, but I just don't know what they're going to be doing for it. Um, so I'm excited to see that because... Konami has not been making a lot of games recently. They've just been making, um, you know, Metal Gear Pachinko machines. Uh, that's the whole big meme behind Konami right now. Um, so I'm excited to see what it could be. I I literally have no idea what they could be fitting in that in 12 stories. I mean, is it, is it just going to be like 12 floors of like PC Bang? Like, is that all like, it's going to be? That's why I was originally thinking of like an arcade style, but like it's a PC bong or whatever, but I, I I don't know what they they could be. That's a lot. There's a lot of room for for people. I would expect probably maybe a couple mini arenas. I don't know how big the building is going to be, but maybe you go to a floor and there's 50 to 100 seats with a little stage there, so that you can maybe rent out and do smaller events and all that kind of stuff. And I'm saying that it was be done close to the Olympics. Obviously, um, esports is it in the Tokyo Olympics, but maybe they can do kind of tournaments based around and all that kind of stuff. I I wouldn't be surprised if there's PC bangs. Maybe a couple of offices or other kind of like support things for 
esports organizations or companies, maybe even a company or two um, in there. And then I wouldn't be and I would guess that there'd be a couple of stages in actual competing areas because that would make sense if they want to say esports. If they just do a 12 story PC bang, that just seems a little off for esports. This is a 12 story yeah, PC bang. So for a little bit of context, it's in a, a just like district in Tokyo called Ginza, which is like a financial district, sort of. And they're calling it like the Creative Commons or something kind of like that. They're not even calling it like an esports building. They're saying they're dedicating it to esports, but they're calling it the Creative something. So it might be more of a content creator kind of thing mixed with yeah. esports, yeah. which would be kind of cool. Maybe green screens and stuff like that alongside a couple of little arenas and a PC bang or two. Like it could be cool. I'd go and check it out if it's done whenever I get over to Japan. So just to just to clarify, like okay, so when they're describing it, they're saying it is an esports building, right? They're not saying what's going to be included. A building in it dedicated to esports. Yes. So could it be see, since we're seeing so much like uh, evolution towards like away from the game houses and into like offices, do we think it could go that way? Like it could be a building dedicated to like esports teams, especially if it's in the financial. I I think it's going to be more like commercial focus rather than um like team focus public, like yeah public facing i i think it's gonna be more that like i sh- but that's not how konami is though i mean they do they do the pachinko machines they do slot machines they do arcade games like that's what konami is known for so why would they kind of make that change all of a sudden from but being always have, public facing they don't have esports i don't think so like what, what could they be yeah. like unless like what could they be doing with 12 floors if they don't make esports, like I have no idea what they could be. Like the weird part, like if, if you said like, oh, like uh, the the government of Tokyo is putting this in, I'd be like, oh, okay, I I know what they could could possibly fill that with. But because it's Konami, I have no idea what they would put in that many stories. I'd agree, but it's called the Konami Creative Center. That does not sound like something that's going to be private. That sounds like it's going to be something public. No, 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 commercial. Sorry, when I, when I meant public, I meant like you know, walk in okay, and just yeah. meme around. I meant more like uh, I think it'll be I a mix. Definitely see what you were what you were envisioning earlier with like green screens and like a studio space. I definitely could see that. Okay, so found another article on it. Apparently, and will house a state-of-the-art esports arena, areas for esports coaching and instruction in a retail store dedicated to selling esports peripherals and other products. Okay. It is a mall, like it's a mall and arena. All in. Oh, all that's kind of cool. This is uh, from PC, written by Ian Boudreau. Shouts out. Shout out, dude. Friend of the pod. We say that a lot, but come on now. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I think it's cool. I, I love to see this kind of stuff. Obviously, go esports in whatever capacity it is. I mean, an arena, which makes sense. A couple of shopping places, and there's probably be PC bang on the floor or something like that. Well, we'll see the, the details when it kind of comes around. It's still a couple of years out, but. I don't know. Cool to see Konami at least being someone interested in it. I mean, they're huge in terms of kind of gaming in different ways, and it's awesome to kind of get some support behind that. But do we have anything else you want to go back and touch on from earlier in the episode? I know we have three or four kind of honorable mentions that kind of talked about today, but is there anything else we want to go back? Any other kind of big breaking news we missed kind of during it? Anything Chad wants to talk about? Otherwise, we can kind of uh, jump into honorable mentions. I I have a small thing that might be honorable mentions. Well, let's just we're blurring the line now. Yeah. So um, recently, there was a lot of talk about the Oxford study that there was no link between um, video games and violence. I didn't include this in our docket because this was actually published in February. 
Um, I guess people are just starting to see it now. And yeah. Slasher talking about it a little bit really kind of drove it back into like the the discourse and everything. Um, but yeah, so just check that out. Um, they published it. Um, so it's out there for anyone to read. I think it's just like on Oxford's website. If you search like Oxford Violent Video Games, it was published in February of this year. So you should be able to see it. And then you had one other honorable mention, didn't you, Dylan? I did. Um, <laughs> so Guangzhou Charge is having an academy team. They're going to shorten it to GZ Academy, or if they want to shorten it even further, GZA or Jizza. So shouts out to <laughs> Butang, I guess. Uh, me and James definitely <laughs> had a laugh over that. I don't. I don't get it. Um, the Jizza oh. is a member of the Wu-Tang Clan, and that's what makes it really funny. Because it's you, no, 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 no. Back up the phone, boss, real quick. Do you know who the Wu-Tang Clan? Yes, is? Yes, I knew who the Wu-Tang Clan is. All right, you tell me one song by the Wu-Tang Clan. Hey, don't gatekeep. I'm not gatekeeping. I'm not gatekeeping. I'm not gatekeeping. I just want to know. I just want to know what the one song you know of them is, like or whatever. I only know them in features. Yeah, that's, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I've only, I've only heard of them. I've seen the T-shirts, the yellow T-shirt with the Wu-Tang Clan fun on it. That's all I know. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> I know the lo- I know branding. I don't know music. Um, Let's keep talking about music, James. Yeah, no, our honorable mentions are like super hip hop fueled for whatever reason. So I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of Tech Nine, but I appreciate Tech Nine. Caribou Lou was really dating myself with that because the song was out in 2006. Um, but yeah, uh, Tech Nine dropped a new song, not with TSM Myth, but it, basically that was his platform to release new music was on a streamer's platform basically uh i guess the shop in fortnite like reset and basically to celebrate this myth was like boom here's a new tech nine song let's all listen together and i guess they all loved it like i mean myth myth was in love with it um now of course tech nine's new album's already out it was out on the eighth but this is kind of how he led up to releasing it so this is really cool because i mean like we of course we talked about drake like way back with the uh, ninja and all that good stuff but i mean Seems more guys are starting to recognize that Twitch is like a very viable platform. A lot of people like, like you know, you see a lot of like inclusion for music and stuff like that, not just hip hop, but like everything. So I mean, like, this is gonna be this is kind of an interesting like marketing technique. I I really appreciate I like it. I love the idea of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was like shout out to Tech Nine for being smart about this. And now take us to Europe to round out the trip, James. Oh, I gotta take us to Europe. Okay, I'll take it to see. So. There's a couple there's a couple big personalities that kind of came into not only the LCS but the LEC. LCS, our boy the Prophet Crumbs is now back. Um, from the Overwatch from, League. From well, yeah, okay, but he started he started with Riot. Well yeah, started, but that's where he's coming back from. Yeah, he's coming back. He's coming back. We get him back from the Overwatch League pretty much. Um pro, uh, <laughs> I always refer to him as Prophet. Crumbs being of course part of Dig and Toss for years in the notorious Renegades roster um way back in the day so yeah no we're kind of getting him back on the desk i don't know if he's gonna be a regular personality i'm not too sure um and then in the only c we kind of saw because some of their main talent is now free agents or like they're freelance like shocks and stuff like that they're bringing in new people so um i don't know her full name but i know her by her handle on twitter get frank um and as well as machine gg like they both they brought them both in i actually watched some of her interviews she was like she was spicy with them like she was like trying to draw like all the smack talking to the players and like i mean she she did a wicked job so like good for her and machine did a great job kind of being an extra like an extra personality on like the analyst desk which is great and uh i don't know get frank's like uh her background but i know machine is from like a csgo background so it was kind of cool seeing this like integration of esports as far as the personalities 
But with that, that kind of wraps up a lot of our honorable mentions. I don't have really think anything to add for honorable mentions and all that. But I think Dylan's trying to prep for one more announcement before I wrap out the show. Yeah. So um, myself and Andrew of the Project Esports are going to be available to to you guys live if you want us to be. Uh, so we're actually going to be at PAX East in Boston um, from March 27th through the 30, 31st. That's Wednesday. Uh, to Sunday at PAX East. We're going to be there all, all the days. We're going to be making content and stuff like that. So if you're at PAX East and you want to meet us, just say what's up or hi or anything, feel free to reach out to any of the, us or just on our Twitter um, at the Esports Pod. Shoot us a DM if you want to want to hang out or anything. Uh, we'll be there for four days. So feel free to, to say hi. Yeah, and also if there's anything you want us to talk about, any panels you want, any anything you kind of want us to make while we're over there, let us know. We're always looking for kind of wild content ideas. We're going to have fun and trying to meet people, all that kind of stuff. But we do want to make as much content as possible. We want to make content you guys care about. So if there is anything you want us to kind of focus on, anything you want us to touch on, or anyone you want us to meet while we're there, let us know and we will do our absolute best to make that happen for you guys. But with that, thank you all so much for coming to Project Esports for March 11th. 2019 it has been a great episode i love having everyone here in chat and listening see you just steal my thunder at that point because i want to thank everybody too i want to appreciate it i also want to add in that i unfortunately won't be joining the boys i'll be still in the midst of school so they're gonna i'm sending them my energy they're gonna be there for me um they're gonna visit all the panels i want them to (laughs) that i can't visit but you know guys uh any 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 reads we get on the articles any time that's spent in chat any retweets likes all that stuff we appreciate the hell out of it it's what drives us it's what motivates us thank you so much and we go live every single monday 6 30 eastern standard time right here at twitch.tv slash pop underscore off if you want to check out um, us live just you know jump into twitch right here um, but if you want to listen to the podcast that goes live every tuesday morning on every single podcast platform Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, uh, all of them, literally all of them. So just search uh, Project Esports Podcast wherever you find your podcast and you can get us there. Or you can go to the Popped Off YouTube page and you can catch the the video VOD over there as well. And well, poppedoff.com as well. You can find a little bit more information on that. But you'll hear us chilling out about the website enough here and there. Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode. As always, I'm Andrew. I'm James. And I'm Dylan. And thank you for watching the Project Esports podcast or listening. We will see you guys next Monday.